Hello, Flypaniacs. How are you tonight? Steve Chico back here tonight, joined again by Eamon Smith. Eamon, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. I'm back in Tennessee. Things feel good. Nice weather out. All right. Love to hear it. We got nice weather, too, so that's, I think that's a good sign for both of us. Not a good sign for the Flyers, who are what they are at this point. I don't even know if we're going to talk much about the Flyers tonight, but uh, we'll see what we get into. You never know with Flyperbole on what's going to come up. But, Eamon, as somebody who's listened to the show for a while, I think you know about my my love-hate relationship with South Philly, right? Oh, yes, of course. Rats, fireworks, children with garbage cans. <laughs> Rats, fireworks, garbage cans, everything. You name it, I've dealt with it. And during the pandemic, I've, you know, largely stayed inside like a lot of people. But uh, we've recently been taking care of M's mom's dog. And I've been taking him on walks three times a day. And every time I try to short those walks, I pay for it in dog pee. So, you know, I make sure the three a day happen. (laughs) And, you know, Frankie's a cool dude. He is uh, a French bulldog and I I use him to measure everything, of course, in this. Including Shane Gostas bears, right? Absolutely. Of course. (laughs) And I can't walk three blocks during certain times of the day. Like night, I can usually get away with this, but like. When I walk him in the middle of the day, I can't walk three blocks without somebody stopping us to pet him. Yesterday was a homeless man who insisted on telling me his entire life story for many blocks. That was fun. Let me tell you, he's a nice enough guy. It's just, you know, (laughs) it's a little awkward. And I just, Frankie's Mr. Popular. My neighbor literally called him the king of the block last night, which is where we're at. And then tonight, as I walked him around, I encountered maybe one of the dumber people I've ever seen in South Philly, a man who I'm going to call Tony D'Angelo Jr. Oh, baby. Who, he was walking down the street and he, he said, you guys are all lab rats. And then he followed it up with, there's this guy, Tucker Carlson. He's this real smart guy. Oh, boy. And I just like, <laughs> I, I'm lucky. Like I came so close to just yelling or I made a very loud, like, ugh noise i came very close to being are you stupid but i i didn't do it i restrained myself but tony d'angelo jr even kind of looked like tony d'angelo which it's south philly i mean uh i i live in like the heart of everything that people up north tend to not be too big of fans of which like totally fair i'm kind of the same way but uh i haven't encountered too many like hardcore anti-vax people in my time uh, in like Tennessee and Alabama and everything, but there's there's been some fun stuff. I think I put this in the Slack at one point. Like we had a nice uh, anti anti gay marriage protest going on on the corner down by school one day. Uh, good for our LGBTQ alliance. They showed up to counter protest them, but that was that was interesting. Like we get that kind of crap all the time down there. So I'm just kind of like yeah. when you when you tell me that story, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know, South Philadelphia is sometimes just shocking with that kind of stuff where it it's not shocking, but it's somewhat shocking at the same time, and it's just an opinion I, I would never heard if I wasn't walking this oh, yeah. little dog around yeah. at night. Yeah. Like, if you're an old city, if you're an old city, you're not hearing that. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not, no, but so. like, deep South Philly, 
you know, you never know what you're going to see on a, a given night. But, you know, it'll take the nice weather and the exercise if I have to hear these these opinions and deal with random people petting him. And he loves the pets, too. He this this friggin dog finds every single person who wants to pet him. He just has a sixth sense about it. Dude, I mean, I've some of these work plenty with French bulldogs. That's kind of just their thing. Like they're. They make those little happy grunting noises when you pet them and they like roll over and offer themselves up. And I'm like, man, it's pretty great that you have humans to protect you because you'd be dead if you were like in the wild or something. Don't forget how good oh, in you a heartbeat. have it. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Like whatever the Tom Wilson is of the animal kingdom would completely destroy them out in the wild. But you know, instead they just get belly rubs and they find the friendliest person in the world and they, they just know. And I have to take an extra 20 minutes uh, away from my lunch break while he gets belly rubs. Hey, I mean, it's just, just a friendly dog. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> I was I was thinking, like, uh, there's there's something from a while ago. I think it was from Craigslist, where it like, just defines South Philly so well. It was an ad-out for, like, prove that italian people are better than irish people and it was basically just i want to fight an irish person no rules meet me in south philadelphia <laughs> reply to the <laughs> ad and it was real i want to fight an irish person no rules is extremely south philly and i'm sure you could find an irish person to fight very quickly in south philly absolutely you just go knock on a couple doors and i'm sure someone would be like yeah sure okay this seems about right. I know the exact neighborhood to go to. And it's like, okay, um, let me drink a little whiskey and I'll, I'll see you in five. <laughs> Just like, yeah, casually saying Italian people better than Irish people. I'd like to prove it with a fist fight. Let's do it. Just make it happen. Like, I, I just like the nonchalance about like the way that it was written because it wasn't, it wasn't over the top or anything. It was written in a way that I could totally believe the guy was actually serious and this actually went down and two people very fought. matter of fact just i want to you know, fight this a guy. is what it is <laughs> that's south philly for you i mean people just throw audacious shit out there like it's nothing it it's honestly a surreal place that i think most people wouldn't think is real if you described it to them but then they could live here for one day and they would see most of the stereotypes like pretty quickly that sounds about right to me. I've, I've never, like, been been in South Philly, but we've driven through there a couple of times, and I was like, yeah, this sounds about, like, what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I said this, I think I talked about this on the post game I covered for Bill, but I went out and I did, I went to a bar, sat outdoors with my buddy the other weekend, and we saw a a motorcycle chase the wrong way up 12th street while we were just sitting there at the corner of 12th and Oregon. And it's like, Oh, okay. Just another Friday night in South Philly. Holy shit. Man. I have, I have a fun story about driving the wrong way, but I don't, I don't think tonight's the night for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Noted. I will. I'm going to make a note about that. Bring that up at some point this summer. Oh God. I, I'm excited to hear that. I'll, I'll have forgotten and out of the blue one time. You're just going to be like, so how about that time that you drove the wrong way? Tell me about that. Yep. 
Listen, I once bailed from a car in the snow when somebody went the wrong way on Roosevelt Boulevard in Northeast Philly because the driver was just littered with indecision. And I was like, well, I'll see you. <laughs> I got out of the car. Screw it. I'll tell it. it. Very I'll, tell it. I'll tell it right now. Why not? Uh, Why not? I want to flex and show my lack of indecision, both being very stupid, but very good at the same time. So uh, I, I got my license relatively recently at this point. I'm pulling out of the high school parking lot. Um, our high school, the way that the parking lot was aligned is basically it's a one way loop. So there's an entrance and an exit. Right. And like you can only go to a certain point on the one side before you have to turn around and then the other side too like i'm overcomplicating this basically i make a left turn there's a median in the middle and then there's the one set and the other set on the other side right two lanes for each of them i make a left turn and i'm like playing music and my buddy's in the passenger seat and we've just gotten out of fan practice so like i'm i'm feeling good i don't have any homework that night and i'm i'm like driving a little bit and my buddy's like, Eamon, you're on the wrong side of the road. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I registered it. So there's oncoming traffic. And, like, I see the cars at this point um, further up the road. But there's a median, and there's not really a place for me to turn around in. And then there were other cars turning behind me, so I couldn't just go back into that entrance. So I just immediately. So you were trapped. I immediately floored it. Just like because the other the other entrance to the school uh, was up ahead of us. And I was like, there are going to be cars coming over that hill. But if I can make it to that first, I'll be OK. I have nowhere else to go. And like I can hit the brakes fast enough where if there's a car, I'll be able to see it and we'll be OK. Hopefully they'll slow down in time. And I just gunned it and ripped into the parking lot and nothing happened. And then like about 40 seconds later, two or three cars zipped past behind me. And I was like, we're never speaking of this to anybody ever. (laughs) You just got on the old Thunder Gun Express and got out of there. You know what? The the decision making is what matters there. You made a decision and it got you out of the I think it was like about half a second after I registered that we were going the wrong way. So impressive reaction time there from somebody who normally like fumbles a cereal box when taking it out of a cabinet. <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, great decision for me. Maybe I was meant to be an F1 driver and I just haven't fulfilled my uh, destiny yet. Maybe that's it. You missed your calling right there. <sighs> Maybe so. You were meant to be a race car driver. Tom Wilson was meant to be a caveman and he never got to be that. He was meant to be an MMA, uh, MMA fighter. Maybe. Honestly, just anything but NHL player would be a better profession for that guy. And Tom Wilson is the story of the week. I've titled this first portion of our our shared sheet this week, Tom Wilson versus the Rangers versus the Department of Player Safety. And it has been, I would say, a disaster of a week for NHL PR. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about fair. I I like how the title reminds me of like, for some reason, we just passed the uh, anniversary of uh, Steiner Nomics, uh, at, at where he's talking about the three-way at sacrifice. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about here, Scott Steiner? Oh my god, uh, it sounds familiar, but I'm, I'm I'm blanking. So he he's like going through the promo for Sacrifice, and they're asking him questions, and he's he's like attempting really hard to do math to <laughs> explain why he's going to win. 
and the numbers just don't make any sense at all and he's stopping his sentences short and sounds like his brain is like flooding with gasoline um and if you know anything about scott steiner i mean he looks like the type of dude to do that right which it's a shame his career was cut short but like he's like the the big muscle guy big papa pump or whatever and uh just absolutely hilarious that's one of like the funniest things ever and there's a video on youtube uh, for anybody listening that you should check out called uh, Scott Sc- Scott Steiner or Professor Steiner uh, typography where basically it just writes out everything that he's saying so you can see how it's complete nonsense because <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like trying to add fractions together and percentages together at the same time and he comes up to I think at the end he's like I have 123 and a third percent chance of winning at sacrifice it's like scott i don't think that's how that works dude i don't think those numbers check out my friend we're going on a tangent there i just had to get that out there i love it i love a good tangent you know it's uh i think anybody who listens to this show will know that but i mean tom wilson this week just flat out assaulted people on the new york rangers like he's punching buchnevich when he's down on the ice he is grabbing artemi panarin by the hair slew footing him down like a total bar fight kind of move right there just not shit that belongs in a hockey rink and i, I think everybody was stunned when when paros just gave him a five thousand dollar fine that, that's not even a slap on the wrist that's not even a, a stern talking to that's just a kind of like boys will be boys and just shoot him away and of course it completely blew up in everybody's face in the next game like i, I almost think the nhl wanted this to happen yeah i'd agree there, I feel like there was, there was a lot of division going on on social media about this game, especially with I follow a lot of like college football people and stuff, and they were all talking about, wow, this is like one of the coolest games of the year for the NHL in terms of like pure entertainment value or whatever. And I was like, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. Personally, I love fighting, and that's like one of my guilty pleasures with the sport because I know it's shitty for the dude's health, but I love fighting. I've always loved fighting. I think it's a cool part of the sport. Um, and I think it should remain in the sport in some capacity. But, like, this wasn't fighting. This isn't the kind of fighting that I like. Because, like, Red Wings abs, that was cool. Because that was, the league did do something about that. Um, if I remember vaguely, they did something in terms of suspending Lemieux. And, like, there were there were some big things that happened surrounding that. Those teams just legitimately yeah. hated each other, and they wanted to kill each other. Hated each other. That was that was one of the best rivalries in NHL history. What a cool era and a great rivalry. And you look back at uh, Flyers-Senators, right? The infamous yeah. Flyers-Senators game. Oh, four. Yeah, great fights in that game, but it was all just, it, it came out of that. It wasn't due to the lack of a suspension. Yeah, or it was like spontaneous. That. That's like the whole problem here is I like fighting when it's based in like people being genuinely pissed off, not due to outside sources, but just because of their hatred of the players on the other side. Like with the with the aforementioned Red Wings abs rivalry, that's just because they absolutely hated uh, Claude Lemieux and they wanted to kill him. Um, and Claude Lemieux Which was a piece of shit shame. and he didn't apologize. And like the league did what they could, but at that point, it was it was about the players hating the other players. In this case. I don't think the Rangers wanted to fight the Capitals. Like, you could tell. They... No! These are, like, guys that are not fighters. These are, like, Kevin Rooney, known fighter. (laughs) He 
was like the big man on the Rangers that night. It's like, no, that's not what you do. Like Brennan Smith is out there trying to throw him with Tom Wilson. Like, come on now. I mean, this was, was just bad. That was real bad. Nobody wanted to see that. This is a team that felt duty bound to do something because the NHL couldn't be bothered to. And that's bullshit. Like, I love watching fighting. I like watching fighting when it's even specifically. Um, sure. Like I've always talked about this on the program where I talk about like it tickles my caveman brain, right? Like absolutely. I still love seeing this blood, blood, like it's great. Like Wayne Simmons, right? Exactly. Like, who didn't love a good Wayne Simmons fight, specifically when Wayne Simmons beat the shit out of Tom Wilson. Cause Tom Wilson actually isn't that good of a fighter when he plays actual fighters, but you know, whatever. I mean, my, my big thing is like, I'll, I'll never forget. Obviously I will freely admit now, um, because he's not a national anymore, but like Shea Weber is dirty as hell um, and always has been in oh, his sure. career. But that kind of made you love him. And like the big thing with him is I did, this was on like a Fred stats account or something a while back, but Weber after his rookie season, I think basically went undefeated in fights and would take dudes down in like three punches. Cause he's just built out of a block of granite. And I always loved that about him. Like, cause he would just pop in occasionally and just, absolutely level a dude and then walk away this is why we've always thought shea weber would be a perfect flyer because he is made of granite he's dirty as hell like you know i don't i wouldn't want tom wilson on my team because he's the kind of dirty i don't like i think there's a difference between a dirty player and a cheap shot artist like somebody who just tries to hurt guys and right matt cook is a cheap shot artist i'd say zach uh ronaldo zeke ronaldo i almost said ronaldo our leader uh, I would say that he's... There's only he's one been, player with heart. He's Romaldo, been a bit of a dirty player for most of his career, but like I don't think he was a cheap shot artist, per se. Matt Cook is like an example, obviously, and then obviously Wilson. But yeah, like Weber, Weber had like the one really awful play with Zetterberg, but besides that, he was just kind of like... He'd cross-check people a lot. He'd, he'd slash you really hard. He was that type of dude. But like that type of, that type of stuff has a place in the game. But then the, like you're seeing shit like what Tom Wilson is doing is what... Scott Stevens would do back in the day, which took out Eric Lindros and Paul Correa and just ruined those guys. Yeah, like, he's he's out there to hurt people. And I don't think, like, the Caps are going to deny it, but I don't think league executives would even deny that. Like, he's out there trying to hurt a guy. Now, he's not, he's not trying to, like, end a career per se, but he's trying to hurt them. He's trying to deter them from doing certain things. He got a shot at Artemi Panarin, who is the best player on the Rangers, and there's no doubt about it. And he took it. And, like, I don't know how any hockey fan can seriously look at what Tom Wilson did and say, that's a good hockey play. It is not. It is bullshit. It is not remotely a good hockey play. There is no place for that in the game. Yeah, like, I, I wanted to check uh, just with an older uh, voice, because, I mean, obviously, I'm of, like, the new age, and while I do like fighting... Um, I'm probably a little bit, I guess, quote unquote, softer uh, about the way that I view hockey being played because uh, they're trying to open up scoring again and there's less physicality going on than ever. But I talked to my dad who like lived through the bullies and all the other stuff. And he was like, yeah, no, that was bullshit. Um, and I, I think the thing that specifically bugged me about the Panarin play the most was you can see it if you go back in the replay um, I think it was my brother that pointed this out, but he he's trying to knock his helmet off before he takes him to the ice. Um, and he's he's purposefully taking it off so that if he slams him down on his back, I don't think he was trying to take him onto his head, but like that doesn't matter. He almost did. 
There's a reason they're wearing helmets. He takes the helmet off, though, so that he can pull um, a... How am I completely blanking on the guy's name? Uh, Bertuzzi. Because you remember, oh, yeah. you remember Bertuzzi takes more down and then starts just beating the brakes off of him. Mm-hmm. And Bertuzzi basically got thrown out of the league for that, which is, I think, an appropriate reaction to something like that. Yeah, so like Wilson... If they don't interfere right after that, because I think it was right after that, everybody grabs him um, and pulls him off Panarin after he gets like two or three punches in. Who the hell knows what happens? I don't know that he has the restraint to stop doing that. And like, it's just the whole sequence. You can tell there's intent behind everything that he does there. This there's there's a lot of talk of like this is a guy who's out of control and he lets his emotions get the best of him. I don't know that I feel like that's an appropriate assessment of him at this point. He knows what he's doing. He, he laughed afterwards. Mm-hmm. He's in control to an extent. And I just, I feel like he knows he's playing on the edge and he doesn't really particularly care if he hurts somebody because he thinks, Oh, it'll be okay. Like it won't be a career ender. And uh, so long as I'm helping my team out, I don't really care what the ramifications of it are. Um, and I know that's a bold assertion for a guy that I don't know, but just based upon comparing him to like other people who fight. Um, and even Matt Cook, that piece of shit. Like, Matt Cook <laughs> uh, was definitely trying to set up to hurt people, right? He was a headhunter and he pulled the same oh, exact yeah. stuff where he didn't really show any remorse. He's like, I'm just trying to go out there and play my game or whatever. And it's the same exact thing here. So I, I like, Tom Wilson is so much better of a player than Matt Cook. That's what's so frustrating here is he could be a good hockey player without all this other shit. Yes. Like he could just fight people like a normal person, but he has to throw in all of the over the line physicality. He's he could take some good lessons from Wayne Simmons on how to be a physical presence in the front of the net and clear the crease, but then also not go over the line and pull shit like this. Absolutely. You can be a goal scorer. You can be physical. You can have it all. You just have to not pull this bullshit and act like a just savage caveman piece of garbage. I, And look, he's done this so many times at this point. How can you even keep giving him these slaps on the wrist? Again, it's not even a slap on the wrist. This is nothing. A $5,000 fine, absolutely nothing to Tom Wilson at this point. And he has not learned a lesson. He will not learn a lesson. He is a repeat offender. And I have to say, I actually liked the statement from the Rangers, although more coming in the segment on that, but I'll read the statement real quick. The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden, the train station. I added that part. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Paros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. I actually love that statement from the Rangers, and it's a shame that it has just completely backfired on them in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, they got fined today, which, like, I expected that to happen, and it's kind of pocket change for them. They're the richest team in the league, but uh, did you see the whole thing where Batman was like, oh, like it's unfair for you guys to, uh, I guess, discredit Paros for his 
uh, dedication to his job and everything. It's like, no, they're not discrediting him for his dedication. They're discrediting him for his ability to perform his job. Like, you can try really hard at a job. If you're very shit at it, it doesn't quite matter. I don't know. Like, about the Rangers statement, minus, uh, and this is me being nitpicky, and I know some people will agree with me, but, like, I feel like the the words horrifying act of violence felt a little over the top to me. Um, I understand that, like, he did slam the dude down to the ice, but it felt to me like that was the thing that a lot of people on Twitter were like picking apart was they're like, Oh, like look at how over the top this is. And I, I did agree that it kind of took away from the focus of the statement, which is the NHL not suspending this dude is a failure of the department of safety, um, de- department of player safety and part should be fired. It's very strange to me too, that the NHL keeps hiring their heads of player safety as like dirty players or, you know, goons or, you know, guys of that ilk. Like Barros was a goon. I don't understand. I guess it's like he he knows very, he knows what dirty who shit knows looks the ins like, and outs. right? But I I don't know. I liked what John Scott said about this. If anybody wants to do to like hear exactly what he said, uh, go look up on Twitter. But basically, he said there's a fine line. Um, you can be physical. You can fight that has a place in the game, but at the same time, you've got to do it the right way. Tom Wilson broke the code and he deserves whatever he gets. Um, and he's like, I, I do think it's worth the suspension. So uh, I, I feel like that's a good guy to put in place. Like that's, that's the approach that they need to take to the game. If you want to keep fighting in the game, if you want to keep the physical element really present, which I do think is a big selling point of the sport and it should remain, then you need to, you need to have somebody who understands where the line is. And I don't think Paros understands where the line is. He's just kind of like, well, it's it's literally the Simpsons episode where, well, boys will be boys. And the judge just straight up lets them off. Like, oh, yeah, that type of shit. It's really just abysmal. So the Rangers got fined $250,000. They also, and this may or may not be related. The Rangers are acting like it's not related. But the timing on this was certainly suspect. Uh, fired Jeff Gorton and john davidson from their front office and uh promoted chris drury I just okay weird timing on that but uh, sure has nothing to do with this whatever is going on this week uh yeah i so i've got rangers fans who are my neighbors and i i'm I, sorry I, <laughs> well i i also um i'm not a big fan of the yankees anymore i was when i was younger because uh, you're a little kid and cheater I I still listen to like New York sports talk radio when I go for a run or something, which is like the only time I ever listen to sports talk radio because it's awful in Nashville. But yeah, it's awful everywhere. <laughs> like uh, Don LaGreca, who who does like the pregame show for the Rangers and everything, he kind of hinted at, and like everything I've read agrees with this. Pretty much what happened is Dolan, the guy who owns the Rangers, uh, put out the statement. It came from him. And then the executives were like, we don't agree with this. And they tried to make it known within the office that they disagreed with it. And then that combined with the owner feeling like they were underachieving and they should be better this year was the reason for those guys getting fired, which cracks me up. Because like the Rangers, by all accounts, if you look at stats and everything, are a very good team this year. They've just gotten some really terrible luck. And some of their guys have been very streaky, but like they're taking steps in I the feel right like they direction. Overachieved. I don't know about that. Like they, I don't know. I didn't expect them to finish above the Flyers in the standings. No, but I, I would say that's just because the Flyers underachieved beyond their wildest expectations. Like 
This but is like, a terrible I wouldn't year. have expected the Rangers in even the top five of the division. I thought they know? had an outside shot at making the playoffs. I just thought the division was too ah. good. Like I, I thought, I yeah, I thought the division was too good, but I don't know. I didn't feel like the Rangers underachieved. I think that's kind of a joke statement right there. I mean, it's a pretty thin team beyond Panarin, and obviously they've got a couple high draft picks, but uh, I, they're very young guys. Like that's that's where you can have some easy like. This is a team where the depth on it is young guys. They're the youngest team in the league. So, I mean, like Heedle is a midline guy. He's a middle six guy. You've got um Kravstov in the bottom six like they're they're all these really talented players who are coming up but they they just they needed to stay the course and I don't I don't understand the decision from Dolan well I do he's he's a petty idiot um but like I mean as a Nashville fan who's hoping that his GM retires this offseason that makes me super pleased because I feel like the Rangers kind of did a mixed bag job of this rebuild and a lot of it depended upon luck but they did draft pretty well i felt like they went about it the right way for the most part so i'm looking my chops now because i feel like that's a good gm that's out on the market and good for the flyers because the rangers just fired a couple of good guys in the front office who have built stuff elsewhere and uh now they have chris drury who seemed pretty in over his head at the press conference <laughs> just well, how did i get here kind of th- you know look about him just yeah he's oh, like what's what, what the fuck happened like it's been it's two games to the end of the season and we fired our our gm and our president but not our head coach like what's going on here it's an it's unbelievable Chris, do you have anything to say about this uh can you guys ask me about the little league world series again maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think, and again, this is where like me listening to New York, New York radio is kind of helpful. So Mark Messier went on uh, ESPN New York radio when this happened, like maybe 30 minutes afterwards. And they asked him basically, do you feel like you could coach? And he goes, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, and like, I want the Rangers to call me. And he's like, I feel like I could be a head coach. I just need to surround myself with the right people. And that's like a whole thing now, too, because he shouldn't have said that while they still have Quinn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And does Mark Messier have head coaching experience? No, he doesn't even have. He has no coaching experience at all. Oh, yes. Let's make this happen, Rangers. Make this happen tomorrow. I mean, I'm fully on board with it. I feel like he'd be a mess. Uh, They were talking about like there have been players who have gone through the proper channels who have been all-time great players and have just not been good, like Waugh and Trottier. Wayne Gretzky. Well, Gretzky, I think, was just like, he wasn't really a coach anywhere else, and then they just hired him as the head coach in Arizona. He wasn't very good. I know, but like, it's just like, oh, he's the best player of all time. How could he not be a good coach? And he wasn't. It, It tends to be, you look at coaches across the league, like a lot of them are guys who they topped out in the minor leagues or college or whatever but they were like the really gritty guys who didn't have a ton of physical talent but they knew the game super well like that's what it takes to be a coach oh yeah it's the less talented guys the guys who have to pay more attention who have to work harder that tend to make it like you know obviously now it's kind of funny to say this for the eagles but doug peterson for instance not a super talented quarterback but he's a guy who had to work hard and he had a lot of success as a coach at least for a year uh because he was a guy who had to work harder, who had to pay more attention, who had to study harder. Ice cream boy. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Frank Reich both. Right? Those two. 
and then also uh, John De Filippo. Like, you you look at all the dudes in most of these leagues, and that's kind of the way it goes. So I think it would be absolutely hilarious if the Rangers hired Mark Messier as their head coach. I'm praying for that to happen because I feel up. like sign me up. He totally be like a. Uh, Tony Larusa right now is with the White Sox, where it's just like I don't get these young kids. Like they don't work hard enough, they don't fight enough, and uh, yeah, I what a joke of a hire. Yeah, that, was. that like that that be the scene at every press conference. They're like, so Mark, what do you think about the team's play? And it's just like after after they win a game or whatever, he's like, well, I didn't feel like we uh, were physical enough on the forecheck, and uh, these young kids they don't give enough effort. Talks like a total Canadian dude. <laughs> it was so funny i was listening to the interview while i was going for a run and like he's just saying but uh like every other sentence uh kind of kind of like the dudes in letter Kenny. yeah i i i think it'd be a riot yeah comes out of this is the dude who ends up being the head coach because there there's such a mess over there right now it's ridiculous well and it's also the head coach of one of the most intense media environments in all the nhl I think he'd be okay with that part. Like, they're afraid to attack Mark Messier because he's he's a Rangers icon. He's the dude. Well, you're afraid to attack him until he starts losing a bunch of games, and then it's kind of blood in the water. Yeah, you know, but you can be a legend to a point. But when you start losing, like you can look at Bobby Clark here. Bobby Clark, best flyer of all time, right? But when Bobby Clark GM starts making suspect moves, people go after him hard. That's true, I guess, yeah. Bob Clark. We have to make the separation, of course. Bob Clark, the GM, versus Bobby Clark, the all-time great Flyers player. Bob Clark, the GM, was it's... pretty good, too. Well, yeah, there's moments. The, I feel Not like, so much at the end. I feel like a lot of that, I think uh, Charlie discussed this on Broad Street Hockey Radio the other day. A lot of that was Snyder. Like, basically, he told Clark, go out and get stars. And that's kind of why the rosters were always really shallow is that's how he wanted his teams built. Clark made it happen. So, I mean, I, I kind of I'm hard pressed to say that Clark would have built a team another way because he definitely seems like he was in lockstep with Snyder. But that that has to be part of it, too. There, I don't know, though. It'd be pretty funny to see like Messier, who everybody hates. Go back to the Rangers after being away from them for years. Be the head coach. Get his ass kicked. The Rangers fall apart, and then he leaves in disgrace. That'd be, I mean, Schadenfreude for everybody. Ah, oh, Chef's kiss. That just sounds beautiful to me. I and I have to say, as far as coaches go, you know, successful players becoming coaches. Rod Brindamore is actually, I think, one of the most successful players Absolutely. to do well as a coach. Like, yeah, and you know, Rod is not a superstar by any means, but he is a borderline beloved player. Yeah. But, but he's not a superstar and he's not, I would say a household name, but he is a guy that was one of the most beloved players when he was in Philadelphia. And certainly I'm, I'm, I think he's the most beloved Carolina hurricane of all time. He has to be right. Uh, he's up there. I think the stalls are up there too. Uh, specifically Eric stall, but all 16 of them, (laughs) I mean, I Stahl like scored a hundred points while he was with them, so I feel like he's got to be in the conversation too. And then, as much as Cam Ward was like terrible for the long stretch at the end of his career with them, he backstopped them to a Stanley Cup and won a Smythe, so he's got to be in that conversation too. But for sure, the difference between Brindamore and Messier is Brindamore coached a shitload before he got that position. He was an assistant coach mm-hmm. for a long time, so like this, this is just. 
this would be unprecedented if Martin Messier just walked in and was like, yeah, so now I'm the head coach of the Rangers. Like the only other time I can think of that happening with a player in recent memory is Gretzky with the Coyotes. And that was more just like a publicity stunt. The Rangers don't need publicity. So that, I don't know. I'm rooting really hard for this to happen. It'd be so funny. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm all about it. Yeah. Like you have to pay your dues. You have to be an assistant. You have to coach somewhere. Like I love when the Flyers had promoted Baruby and people acted like, oh, where the hell did he come from? They just always going back to the well of ex-players. Like, well, actually, Greg Baruby had been an assistant coach for a while and really paid his dues to come up. So Chef Baruby, baby. I mean, Chef Baruby all day. Hooking up some wins. Look, not the big biggest Baruby fan at the end of the day as far as uh, coaching goes, but I thought it was very unfair, the criticism that the Flyers took for hiring him because he had paid his dues. He was a guy who was being groomed to be an NHL head coach. It's... And obviously, he's had some success with the the Blues. Not so much this year. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs. So whatever. Uh, we can talk about that really quickly. We can take oh. a look at everything goes. Oh, look at that segue. That's on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I I had a little bit more I wanted to mention just on this uh, suspension front. Uh, All right, go ahead. Down. I'm sorry for trying to take us. That was off a good segue. I liked it. No, I liked it. I liked <laughs> it. So the only other thing that I wanted to mention. So Buchnevich went and got a one-game suspension for high stick. It was really a cross-check to the face. So no justice. I mean, granted, Buchnevich deserved that. But uh, again, this is all the NHL's fault for letting this get out of control. That game was just a joke. Yeah. 141 penalty minutes, six fights, 12 fighting majors in total. Wilson smiling, laughing in the penalty box. Mass pandemonium, cats and dogs living together. Just an atrocious hockey game. TJ Yoshi scoring a hat trick. That was pretty cool, actually. So that that's the worst part is, like, TJ Oshie actually had this great story. He scored an emotional hat trick after his father died, and just, it, it's a great story, and he's hugging his teammates. It's great. And, but, you know, this no one's gonna remember is it. a complete clown show. Yeah, no, no one's, one's gonna, gonna remember, remember it. it. And it sucks. And it sucks. I like TJ Oshie. I, I'm glad he had, you know, a good moment, but it, it I don't like that it happened during that game, which was a total joke. Yeah, definitely agreed. And then, obviously, there's the ghost suspension that happened right afterwards, too, which, like, bullshit play by ghost. He checked Friedman into the boards, which, like, by the way, I think maybe the funniest storyline in this awful season is how much the Flyers hate Mark Friedman. They want to hurt that It's dude. wild. It's insane. Like, what did he do? I want to know. They all hate his guts. I don't get it. It's great. And he's like the least significant player. Like, who gives a shit about Mark Friedman? I think Obviously, the Flyers didn't because they gave him away for free. Yeah, that's that's still one of the dumbest moves this season, too. Moving him for mm-hmm. Nate Prosser. Ugh. But oh apparently, he just he complained a ton about playing time. And like that probably got on some people's nerves. And then he trashed, obviously, the team and the town as soon as he left which was a bad look for him too. I don't know. Sometimes it could be as simple as that. And obviously like he's drawn a ton of penalties at every level that he's ever been at. So maybe he's just a prick. <laughs> maybe that's yeah, how it goes. That might be, that might be all it comes down to. I think I forget if it was, I think it was Brad who might've mentioned that or might've been Maddie. I had two Phantoms experts on yeah. two straight episodes. So, but you know, they were mentioning either Brad or Maddie and my apologies, Brad and Maddie for this, but you're both lovely guests. But one of them was mentioning just like that Friedman is kind of a prick and gets on people's nerves, gets under their skin. And that's that's just what he does. Yeah. So Ghost, basically, Friedman scores the empty net goal when the Penguins finish. Just 
beating the brakes off of the Flyers. Yeah, that was a retribution game for the one before that. Yeah, Oof. Ghost Ghost comes in behind him, and it's just like, fuck it, and he throws him into the boards. <laughs> like, head yeah. first, dangerous play, really shitty play from Goss to spare. It made me annoyed, because I was like, he's probably not here next year. That's a crappy way to end this Flyers career. And he ends up getting suspended for two games, which, like, again... I feel like that's totally deserved and nobody is angry about that or the Buchnevich suspension if Wilson gets suspended, but Wilson doesn't get suspended. So all of this looks terrible. Like even just a one game Wilson suspension. Well, it, it would have been a joke. And I would have been annoyed right. if Goss's bear gets two games and Wilson gets one for that clown show. But like if they, if they suspend Wilson for like five games, I'm annoyed. Um, and I don't think that that fixes the issue at all. But, like, if they suspend Gostaspair and they suspend Buchnevich, I'm not going to get all up in arms about that. Although the Buchnevich suspension maybe doesn't happen because that game isn't such a crapshoot. But I think that game doesn't even get to that point if Wilson's not on the roster that night. Like, yeah. If Wilson is out that night, I don't think you see nearly the level of activity you no, see. But no. Because Wilson's there, that is basically the Rangers then have to stand up for themselves. They feel the need for just these no-name guys who don't fight to get in there and try and fight. I felt bad for those guys. It's like every time I've seen the Flyers fight this year when it hasn't been, like, Sam Morin or something. Like, oh, why are you fighting, bud? I mean, I like that uh, Joel Farabee fight the other night. That was pretty quality. You know what? That one was good. That one was actually good. Because you wanted to fight Mark Friedman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to see the bees get hurt in a fight. Like, that is just a nightmare scenario. But you know what? He He handled himself pretty well. I... I think this is an interesting comparison that I've heard for Joel Farabee. And, like, he's obviously not nearly as physical as this guy is, but a lot of people say they that he reminds uh, them of, like, a younger, skinnier Rick Tockett, which would be pretty sick to have. Because he definitely, like, he's shown this year, if somebody pisses him off, he's not afraid to fight. Um, and he, he needs to get bigger in order to actually, like, succeed more often. But uh, that, that fight the other night with Friedman was great. He took... Uh, I think a late hit or something, something a little scummy from Friedman. Uh, and Jake was about to go after him and Faraby gets up and he's like, no, I want him. So drops the gloves with him no. and then gives him a couple good shots. And I'd say he took that one and that was pretty good. But man, they really hate Mark Friedman. It's pretty funny. They hate his guts. I've never like, I don't, I can't tell you if I've ever seen a flyer flip sides and become that hated. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe Ron Hextall this year. Yeah, but that's different. Like, nobody's going to get to fight him yeah. as far as I know. Not I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't see Chuck Mark Fletcher Recky's having... Pick, right? See, I never hated Mark Recchi. Uh, I know a lot well, of wait, people no, hate you know Mark no. You know what? I had some times in Boston where he was annoying. I don't think I ever hated him in Boston, but I was very annoyed by him in Boston. Especially when in the, the seven game, the comeback from down 3-0 against Boston in 2010... He was annoying as shit in that series. Yeah, yeah. He he was really annoying with the Bruins. I think he was on the Penguins for a little bit too. Oh yeah. And then yeah, also, I think Mark Recchi played for every team in the league. At yeah, some point. pretty much. He's a compiling guy, right? But uh, the other the other dude that I think of is Tockett because he was a great flyer, and then he goes over to the Penguins, has the best year of his career points wise, and wins the Stanley Cup with them. That's another dude who, like, but I don't think he was ever really hated all that much by Flyers fans. I could be mistaken because I wasn't alive. Yeah, well, and also just the Flyers themselves. Like, I don't feel like there was ever this level of malice with a guy who just left. And 
Like they are taking runs at this guy left and right. I it's 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 wild. I know I've said it a few times, but it, it's completely wild. I am stunned by it. Yeah, like Nolan Patrick looks like he's taking a nap out there half the time, and then when Mark Friedman comes on the ice, he's like, "All right, it's go time." I'm about to dunk on this dude, pants him in front of everybody, and then fight him and beat the shit out of him. Like that's what he's about. I think I think if Nolan, Nolan Patrick, Patrick was playing Mark Friedman every night, he'd be a great player. That's all we need. <laughs> Nolan Patrick gets that Yuri Laterra special and just starts taking runs left and right of Friedman. Sounds about right. I mean, like, uh, I, I don't want to talk about Nolan Patrick anymore after this. No, year. we don't want to talk we're both getting fired if we talk about Nolan Patrick, so oh, we're not gonna do that. Man. Uh, talk about a guy that makes my head hurt. We have talked about Patty Nolan's quite a bit. We don't need to talk about him. Let's talk about a guy who is part of the future of the Flyers, making his debut tomorrow night, uh, tonight when you're probably listening to this. Cam York going to step in with Shane Goss, the spare suspended, making his NHL debut against the Washington Capitals and Tom Wilson. Oh, God. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. I mean, Cam York has made me look dumb so far with his play in the <laughs> AHL. I'm sure Maddie is just like rubbing her hands together somewhere. She made a not so subtle jab at me when she came on. She's like, some people think that uh, she did. She did. He's not flashy enough, but uh, that's never been his game. And I'm like, that's not my problem with the game. I'm like yelling and talking to myself in the car as I listen to this. This is, by the way, this is the fun thing about having rotating co-hosts for the time being is, uh, you know, get, get some of this beef between the different co-hosts, the different people at BSH. Maddie and I now the BSH on, like, beef podcast. three things. Cam York and Owen Power, so, like, Michigan prospects. We disagree really hard on beards. Um, she hates them, and I think they're cool. And then, cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's, like, one other thing. I don't remember. Not worth getting annoyed about. But despite, <laughs> despite us being uh, good bros and whatever... Uh, she, she likes to pick at me about basically me saying it on my third day, second day working with Broad Street Hockey. I don't think Cam York is ever going to be all that great. And I think he'll be like a, a second pair number four defenseman. And she's like, I think he's really good. And he's making me look like a jackass so far. So good for you, Cam York. I hope he's great. Well, I hope he's great too. And he, he was looking good in that last game. Him and Forrester were really just dishing it out between each other. The guy that makes me look dumb. That's the other one where we disagree is I thought Forster at the draft, I, I thought that was a terrible pick because I was like, this dude's skating is such a mess. Um, I think the straight line skating is okay, but like his crossover steps, his pivot speed, it's all just a gigantic bleh. Like it's, it's about as appetizing as hot tapioca. Right. Uh, but, Oh, Oh, I got a stomach ache just thinking about that. <laughs> he's he's just like kicking ass in the ahl and while i don't know that he'd be great at the nhl level good for him he's killing it in the minor leagues he obviously i think the thing that separates him from a lot of bad skating prospects is like just because he has a great shot doesn't mean that he's just a great shot he's a really smart player um and that's why like initially in my evaluations of him i was like oh this dude is pretty good and then i i watched his skating mechanics a little bit closer after somebody like pointed out to me, they're like, watch how slow he turns. And I watched and I was like, ah, it's like watching a semi truck. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but Cam York, kick ass. Um, I can give a brief little report on what to kind of expect from him for Flyers fans who haven't watched much of him. Cause I think I caught 
10 games of him at Michigan this season, about eight games of him at Michigan last year. And then I saw like six games of him in his uh, career with the national team. And I've watched like any time he's been at the uh, World Juniors. So do you want me to get into that? I would love for you to get into that. I just wanted to say my whole report on Cam York is that is a bold mustache choice, my friend. Oh, hell yeah. Like That is 100%. I put this out on Twitter, but that is like an eighties, like jean jacket headed to a concert kind of mustache right there. I'm pretty sure half our dads had those mustaches in the eighties. It's, it's a thing of beauty and uh, please keep rocking the unusual facial hair. NHLers. He's got to ride a chopper. That's what I've decided. Like that's into the, into the game. Yeah. Like he just shows up on his own riding a chopper. Yeah, absolutely. Harley Davidson chopper. He's got the leather jacket on. He just comes in, pulls up. He's like, I'm here. That's that's the way that it's cam, cam time, baby. <laughs> it's cam time. <laughs> so what to expect from this dude? He's not going to wow you. Oh, wow. And I feel like the Flyers fan base segment that hated Kimo Timonen is really going to hate Cam York because Cole Caulfield elsewhere is doing flashy shit with the Canadians, like scoring game-winning goals and winning the Oh, yeah, Baker. Caulfield's looking real good right now and people are hating it <laughs> yeah i didn't think he was gonna be all that great either i'm wrong a lot for the people listening i mean to we'll see show. you know he might waste his entire career because he's in montreal that doesn't mean he's not a good player though i i don't know i just i was like i don't i don't think that he's good enough at anything besides shooting to be like a great nhl player and then he like developed his skating even further and he's just really good and it makes me Go back and question, like, what did I miss? And examine so that this year I don't make the same mistake. Um, but, yeah, like, York is a guy who his best attribute is controlling pace. Um, and I think that's what served him really well as he got more comfortable at the college level is he was the top pair guy and he would just kind of dictate play. Um, he He was very steady. He makes the right decision a lot of the time. My my biggest question surrounding him is when we saw him play better competition, I feel like if he's getting pressured really hard by a forecheck, um, he tends to collapse a little bit and make hasty decisions. And while he's still a good enough decision maker that he can usually get away with it, that was at the college level. If you're playing at the NHL level and you're the most inexperienced guy on the ice, that could be a problem. Um I'm really hoping that he adapts quickly to the pace of play and he's that guy who can just kind of settle the flyers down when they're having a bad uh, set of shifts, um, play heavy minutes. And obviously I feel like the best thing that he brings to the table is uh, something that the flyers might be missing. If Shane Gossespierre goes somewhere in the off season, he is a great power play quarterback. I don't know that he'll ever be a power play one weapon, but I could see that happening. Um, and he'll be an excellent power play two guy. And hopefully he can kick Provorov out of that spot so that I don't have to watch him fumble the puck at the blue line four times a game or whatever. Yeah, I love Provorov, but I, I cannot take him on the power play anymore. And if they're going to get rid of Gostaspair, I really think there's somebody is going to have to step up to the plate to be the power play guy. And even if power play one might not be the best spot for him, at least in the short term, that'll be... It'll be nice to have somebody who can handle those duties because they keep trying Provorov and it just doesn't it's not working, work. man. He's he's good at one thing, and that's that's getting a puck through traffic. He's got a good shot and like he's he's a streaky goal scorer, but 
that's like the thing he's capable of. The problem is if you watch the power play this year, so they run a one three one and the defenseman's quarterbacking at the top of the umbrella and he's gotta get moving side to side to basically draw guys so that the guys down low like Giroux and Borchek can get open and Provorov looks like he has concrete feet up there. Oh my god, he does. And that really does. he looks like you know the old table hockey game where the guy can only move. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's, he, that's Provorov. He's just he's not moving at all on or off the puck, and that's what drives me nuts. Is I'm like I've never seen a dude this talented be this bad at one specific thing that like is totally inexplicable because he has the skating ability to be able to do this. It just makes no sense. I think he gets like freaked out a little bit by the situation or something i don't know it's it's like i don't i don't want to say he's the yips on the power play but like his decision making just gets really weird um when he's out there versus like the rest of the game and it's it's like you're watching a totally different player right like throw him in his own zone he's fine all day but you throw him in the offensive zone on the power play specifically because he can handle the offensive zone of five on five but on the power play he just all of a sudden he just doesn't know what the hell he's doing yeah, like at 5v5 too, I think he's been a bit of a mess this year, but like in prior years, he's been good. But I'm just sick and tired of hearing people go, well, he scores goals on the power play, so you've got to keep him out there. Because I'm like, no, he scores goals because he's taking a lot of shots and he's like the only option that can score on the power play. I'm sick of hearing people say, well, you know, maybe Giroux isn't good enough for the power play anymore. He's still a great passer. They still have weapons. This should be a good power play team. I feel like it all stems from the quarterbacking at the top of it, and they just need to fix that. And Cam York is one of the few exciting things at the end of the season with these couple games remaining here that you can watch and go, oh, shoot, that dude knows how to walk the blue line, draw defenders, and then make a nice saucer pass over the sticks to hit the seam, right? So he's... He's somebody to look forward to. I think the Flyers are super high on him by all accounts. Um, they think that he can be a top pair guy um, or at the bare minimum, a really great second pair dude. And those are dudes you need. And they're making big moves in the offseason. I wouldn't be shocked to see one of Phil Myers or maybe Travis Sanheim go uh, or Goss to spare. Uh, and then York slide into that spot because I think they like him that much. Wow. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a spicy meatball right there, but I would not be opposed. I The one thing I'm really liking at the end of the season, and believe there's not a lot to like, but seeing some of the young guys get a shot, I know Wade Allison's only put up a few points, but he's just been an exciting presence in there every night. He's been great, man. He's been great. I mean, the, the analytics behind him back up that he's been a really good player. It's a small sample, but uh, the redhead goon squad just seems to be doing really well. Like aside from maybe for <laughs> check, everybody else is kicking ass. Uh, I mean, Giroux is the best player on the team this year. Couturier is still like when he's been healthy, he's been great. Um, so maybe the flyers just need to go acquire every redhead in the league and then they'll win the cup. You know what? That's something that you, you and Maddie agree on right there. It's just getting all the, the ginger goons right there. Not go, ginger get, goons, go get Ryan Ellis. Redhead. Go get Ryan Ellis. Maybe that's what they need okay. to do. Because he's a redhead. He's got the big, bushy red beard. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Allison's got that big, bushy red hair. That's fantastic. Again, it's unbelievable how he is, like, the new Scott Hartnell in so many ways. It's so funny. And he's got, like, the Guy Fawkes mask look with the goatee and the flared-out hair. It's pretty funny. Just falling into the net, flared-out hair, scoring goals. It's Doing smelling salts on the bench. Double water bottle. those smelling salts. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, the tub of water. The tub of water fantastic. bottle. He's classic, dude. I, I loved watching him at Western Michigan. Uh, it was a shame that he got hurt so often because he was unreal when he was healthy. He probably would have won a Hobie Baker if he didn't tear his knees up so bad. But I, man, Allison's been great and he's promising for the future. I think they can afford to move on from one of those middle six guys uh, that are higher paid and maybe just slide him in there. I know that it's a small sample size to bank on, but like he's got a lot of juice. So long as he can stay healthy, he's a good NHL player in my eyes. All right. I love that. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what Wade Allison brings in future seasons. And hopefully Cam York does not get smoked too bad by the fantastic Washington Capitals offense coming up over the oh, next couple games. God, man. I, I really hope that they don't put this kid in like shitty situations because uh, talk about like a confidence killer. You get called up for two games at the end of the year and then just get like blasted by Alex Ovechkin. That would suck. I hope not. Like I'm just, that guy walks even some of the best guys in the league. Like it's nothing. And he's what a zillion years old. He's, he's 85 years old. Yeah. He's going to be good forever. I'm convinced uh, him and Crosby. Both. Oh yeah. Crosby just oh. keeps scoring. I, I said he's going to score like 10 goals a year against the Flyers. It feels like until he's 80. That's happening. He'll be in, he'll be in a wheelchair. He'll be in like a hospital bed with the IVs and stuff plugged into him. And he'll just have a hockey stick in one hand. They'll roll him out on the ice and then he'll score on the Flyers somehow. It'll happen. In the first minute every time. Yeah, like Carter Hart will turn the puck over behind the net and he'll just dunk it from a hospital bed. I swear he has telekinesis or something. There, he, There's just something we can't see that is just moving that puck towards his stick every time. That rat bastard. So speaking of that rat bastard and the teams that are actually going to play in the playoffs this year, let's talk about these remaining playoff spots. Let's do a little playoff preview, see what could potentially be happening. And I guess we'll start in the East reluctantly. Where Pittsburgh currently leads, I listed the standings earlier, but they are since updated because Pittsburgh got the glory of playing the Buffalo Sabres tonight and put up like, a, a, I don't know, 18 goals against them or something like that. So tell, Pittsburgh the, audience what we, tell the audience what you did. Uh, what I did to poor Maddie, I, I do have to apologize to her for that. Sorry, not sorry. But I, <laughs> I'm playing Maddie in the Broad Street Hockey Fantasy Hockey Championship this week. And we have two-week playoffs, and I was down a boatload last week, so I've been trying to just make every move I can to get back into things. And in a desperation move tonight, I did a, a huge scumbag move, and I picked up McCann and Jeff Carter from the Penguins. And, oh, I'm sorry, Maddie. They just annihilated tonight. Just, I think I had 33 points from Carter and 17 from McCann. You're disgusting. You make me sick. I can't I believe make myself you. Myself sick. I can't believe you. I don't how, know how I'm going to live with myself? How could you myself? break code like that? Because <laughs> uh, it was the championship. I uh, guess no, I'm in no, it to win it. No, you, you stole it. Listen, we there are no codes in this league. I'm, I'm talking I, to Steph. You're gonna you're gonna get fired. That's that's what happens here. Well, that's for the best. I assure you. <laughs> that's for the best. Listen, Tom Wilson stole Panarin from me, so I had to. <laughs> I had to do something. Drastic times there. call for, or desperate times call for desperate measures. Listen, I, 
Okay. I'm not going to lie. I kind of scummed it from the beginning because I had Panarin and Crosby in my first two rounds for, for this, this team. Steve. You disappoint me, Steve. I had JVR and Hayes. Oh, that doesn't JVR was really it. good. That doesn't make up for it. You need like a, a crappy flyer like uh, Nolan Patrick on the roster. Oh, shoot. I'm fired now, too. <laughs> You're fired. You're severely fired. Hey, I wrote Gostas Bear for a bit. I had Nolan Patrick and then I released him. My other team, I had like five flyers. I had Couturier, I had Voracek, I had Faraby. All okay, right, let's, let's, let's get back to the playoff preview. Listen, I know lots of flyers. My best friends are flyers. Back to the preview. Pittsburgh, 75 points. Washington, 73. Boston, 71. And the Islanders at 68. Those red-hot Islanders have really fallen to the bottom of the pack. But these teams all got to play each other, so I don't really know if anybody has an advantage here. Uh, I'd say best teams in the division. I think Boston has a real shot to come out of the East. Um, adding Taylor Hall was a big deal. And imagine getting a top flight player for absolutely nothing. I, I mean, the big thing was like, I don't even know that Taylor Hall is like all that great this year, to be honest with you, like watching him. The big thing is that now they actually have somebody on the second line that can play with Craig Smith. And Craig Smith is unbelievable this year, um, as he always has been. And the Predators let him walk for nothing. But that's another story. Um, but, yeah, Not Craig better. Smith just, like, casually putting up five goals in a two-game split um, and carrying the Bruins because he's a beast. So, I, I don't know. I think the Bruins uh, are starting to get a little healthy again uh, or somewhere close to that. And they're just as threatening as the rest of the teams in this division. They've probably dealt with more adversity than anybody else um, in the playoff picture, too. The Islanders. I would say they have, well, the Islanders might have better goaltending. But I really think the Bruins have more of a total package than anybody else in the division. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders have uh, the depth. And they have one really good player on the top line in Barzal. um, And they have amazing goaltending and a great coach, right? But... Uh, losing Anders Lee has killed them um, effectively. And that's that's something that I've noticed every single time I've watched them is it's like they feel like they're generating a good amount of pressure, but they just have nobody who can put the puck in the back of the net. And they went and they got uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac to try and fix that problem by getting uh, Zajac to, uh, I guess, replace like the veteran leadership because uh, Lee is the captain, obviously. Um, and then... They, they went and they got Palmieri to replace the goal scoring, and neither have been all that good. So you love to see it because uh, screw Lou Lamorello, but uh, that means that the Devils Agreed. are getting some good picks out of this potentially. Um, I I don't know. I, I think the Penguins are good. I don't know. Their, their consistency problems have uh, kind of frightened me a little bit out of picking them to come out of the East. And then the Caps – um, I don't trust Peter Laviolette to win multiple playoff series unless his goalie is going bonkers. <laughs> um, and obviously I say that with some bias as a Preds fan, but like you're already starting to see the shit show happen in Washington. Um, it started with basically them trading uh, Verona because he and Laviolette didn't get along. Um, and like I think Mantha is a really good player, but I feel like they got screwed in that deal. And then now they're having problems with Kuznetsov and it's just going to keep going until the whole team is either dismantled or playing laviolette hockey. And then they're going to fall apart. Eventually that's the kind of coach he is getting some jam in there, boys getting some jam. Yeah. Like they're, they're going to play one really good playoff series. They'll be 
good in the second one and then like if they if they get out of the second one uh they'll get like pants in the third one something along those lines because he's just he doesn't make any tactical adjustments so i don't feel like i can be confident in him out coaching sullivan uh or trots or whoever like he's not gonna be the dude to take washington to another cup and as i say this they're gonna go on and they're gonna win another Stanley cup this year like (laughs) that's how it works I mean, it's hard to overlook them with Backstrom and Ovechkin and Carlson, all fantastic players, but I don't know. I, I'm with you. I really think Boston's the most dangerous team out of that group still. They they have the single best line of any of the teams. And, yeah. You know, that's that's hard to say when you've got talent like Crosby and Ovechkin and Backstrom in the division, but that, I, I don't want to say the name. I hate the name. It's gross. But it's gross. The gross line. <laughs> Marchand... Bergeron and Pasternak is just filthy, filthy line. That second line's damn good. The third line's good. They just have so much depth. And if the goaltending can step up, and it's going to be interesting because they've been on the three-man rotation now for a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to go with Swayman in the playoffs. I think it's going to be all the Rask show. But it's uh, it's interesting because Swayman's probably been playing the best out of the three. You might see a little bit of Halak, too. Um, he's been playing pretty good, but... Uh, at least the last time I saw him, I haven't watched the Bruins enough lately, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the Bruins, the Bruins biggest question is the defense. Um, cause they're very young back there, uh, in terms of like the guys that they've had to have come up and replace Krug and Charo leaving, um, they're a bit inexperienced. They've had dudes in and out of the lineup because of COVID and injuries the whole season. So they're, they're a little bit unstable back there, but uh, they picked up the guy from Ottawa, um, Mike Riley, I want to say is his name, uh, and he's having a good year, so maybe that helps him out there with a little bit of stability. I don't know. I just like the Bruins a lot. I think they have good coaching, solid enough goaltending. They have that top line that can carry you through the playoffs. Their defense is okay. They play a good system for that, and they have a neat, like, legit second line now with Krejci and Hall and uh, Craig Smith. So I, I like them to come out of that division there. Yeah, I agree. Islanders just not talented enough. Ultimately they're so system based. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, I, I don't would, think they're deep enough the on defense. Or... I'm not counting the Islanders out, but I don't, I, I like Boston better than the Islanders at the end of the day. The Islanders I, like make it to the end of the East bracket and then lose to Boston. I sleep on the Islanders a lot, but it's mostly cause I hate them. I just think Barry Trotz is a bonkers coach, and I will always... Barry Trotz is a genius. He is the best coach in the NHL. Yeah, like, I will I will die mad about him not getting to do more in Nashville because basically they just kind of gave him subpar rosters, um, and he, he made the best of serviceable talent his entire time here, but basically they were like, it's time to make a change, and that was, that was the right move because LaViolette took him to a cup final, but... Yeah, like Trotz, Trotz is unreal. He's the best coach in the NHL. So I I have faith that he can win the Islanders at least around every single year. And the thing with Pittsburgh, I don't know, man. Like the offense is great. Pittsburgh's offense is fantastic, but I don't like their defense. And I think their goaltending is pretty mediocre, which mediocre has been good enough for them to this point, but I don't think it's enough to get them out of the East and to the cup. So the problem is that they're such a volatile team I can see them winning a round and then just getting absolutely shellacked in the next round. Like, 
that's right. they're they're too uneven to go deep unless Crosby just turns on like God mode two thousand eight Crosby and just takes over every single game and carries them. And like the last time they were in the postseason, they got beat by the Canadiens. The time before that, they lost to the Islanders in the first round and didn't look competitive in either series. So until the Penguins prove otherwise, I don't know that they're going to beat any of the teams within this division in the postseason like hard enough to go deep. They could win a round, but I don't know that they're going to be the team coming out of the East. Again, watch them make me eat my words. (laughs) I'm hoping not. I'm hoping Jeff Carter isn't enough to magically put them over the top, which still makes me really sad. Why did you do this to us, Ron? Why? Well, I've had enough with the East. Let's talk about the other division where you have a pretty good say, pretty good feel on things. Oh boy. Central. (laughs) So the Central is a shit show um, in that there (laughs) there are three really great teams that all have legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. And then you have Nashville and Dallas, uh, either of whom could make the postseason. So basically the Predators are in control of their own destiny right now with two games left. But, um, it's a very slim lead for them because they lost in regulation to the Blue Jackets last night, uh, which stunk. They they played like crap. So Dallas, I feel like, is actually the better team. But Nashville, for anybody who hasn't been paying attention, uh, UC Saros has always been, uh, for his career, a guy who starts pretty slow and then just goes god mode for like the back half of the season. And this year, he's really, like, kicked it up a notch. I think he has a 945 or 950 save percentage for, like, the past couple weeks or something insane like that. So they've been riding him to the playoffs um, and just hoping that he can take them there. Um, But David Poyle continues to do stupid shit to sabotage this team. Like, uh, (laughs) his his trade deadline, his big acquisition was Eric Goodbranson who is now playing every game in the lineup on the bottom pair and looks terrible. Um, And like, that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with here. This is a Nashville team that has like solid lines, but they don't have anything that wows you. The defense has hit a bit of a regression this year. Although I think that's due to some guys battling through injuries to try and make a playoff push um, because they know that there could be some moves happening. And I mean, it's pretty much just the Roman Yossi and UC Saros show every single night. Um, Yossi carries the transition, does a lot of the scoring, and then uh, Saros keeping the team in games. And then occasionally you'll see, like, Ellie Tolvanen or Phil Forsberg doing something crazy. But, like, compare them to the Stars who have just gotten terrible luck and their goaltending has fallen apart this year. Um, with Ben Bishop being out and them relying on Anton Kadobin to be a full-time starter. Um, and then you look at the top three teams in the division, which is these two teams are playing for the right to play Carolina, which is not a fun prospect at all. Cause Carolina is so good. Um, Rod Brindamore. I didn't realize until now that Carolina's only got 10 regulation losses this year. They're, they're so good, man. They're the Predators haven't beat them since 2019. And that's the team that they have their final two games against. So they have to win. They, they need a, I think the magic number is five. So they, 
if they if they get a win in regulation and the stars lose in regulation, then they need to just get an OT loss and they will be in the postseason. Uh, if the stars lose out, obviously the Preds get him. But um, yeah, that's kind of like where things stand there. The the Hurricanes have like one of the best power plays in the league. Um, they're clicking on all cylinders. Trocheck has been insane for them this season. Uh, Peter Morozik uh, continues his just like baffling, infuriating run at being extremely good whenever he's healthy for them. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's been crazy after coming back from that horrific injury last year. And I mean, what's crazy about all of this is this has been a really underwhelming year from uh, Andrei Svechnikov. And it doesn't even matter because like Marty Nietzsche uh, has been a point per game player for them. Trocek has been great. So they're just Nietzsche has been a nice sneaky fantasy pickup for me on one of my teams. He's just been I got him mid season and he's been fantastic. He's a stud. Um, and I, I liked him when he was playing in Charlotte, but I never imagined that he was going to be this good. Like, geez, dude. So they're they're. I think it's them and then Tampa and then Florida's like a tier below them. Um, Tampa, we all know the deal. Yeah. I, well, the thing about Tampa is like they're two, well, not best players, but two of their best players are, they still haven't played and they're coming back. Yeah. That's what's crazy. And I, the league, I don't know how they're going to handle Kucherov coming back to the playoffs. Cause like that, that whole situation, it's so clear that, they did that just to go around the cap and like that's some Paul Holmgren disgusting. shit that's some Paul Holmgren shit right there and like we'd love it if it was our it's team. disgusting but I I respect it <laughs> yeah but like there I I do I do think that Carolina top to bottom is a more solid team this year just because I think the Lightning have seen some regression from some of their younger players uh Anthony Sorelli hasn't been quite as good this year as he was last year still a good player um, Eric Chernock has not been as good, um, and they really need him to be good. They, I mean, they're still a loaded team, and I could totally see them being the team coming out of the Central. But I'd have to say Carolina is my pick just because they're so deep. Um, their defense is insane. Like they, they, they literally just didn't want Hayden Flurry anymore, and he's been like an adequate bottom pair NHL defenseman with a lot of talent. And they were just like, yeah, we can afford to give this dude away because we just have such an embarrassment of riches. Um, they turned Brady Shea back into a good player. Um, so they're they're ridiculous. The Djelkovic has been great for them. And I, I'd say Florida's the tier below just because they're they're not nearly as deep. Uh, they're, they're a team propelled still by their top line guys. Losing Aaron Ekblad really hurts them. And then I didn't love the trade deadline. I think Montour is a fine player, but he's not going to fill that hole adequately. Um, I thought they really should have gone after Shane Goss to spare when he got waived. I'm I thought shocked that was a mistake. That seemed like a complete no-brainer to me. Yeah, that was a huge mistake in my opinion. Because if, if Ekblad hadn't gone down, I would have gotten it. But Ekblad going down, it's just like, why wouldn't you do that? It, it just was crazy to me, but... Their loss, and uh, I mean, Florida's big thing is Barkoff and Huberto at the end of the day. Yeah. And Barkoff's having a great year. He's been fantastic, and he's Both always fantastic. Most underrated player in the league. Both those guys are just awesome hockey players. But is that enough to get them over a Carolina or a Tampa Bay? I just 
don't think it is, especially given the shakiness of defense and also the inconsistency of Bobrovsky. And we all know how Bobrovsky is in the playoffs. Uh, he's not going to be starting. I can tell you that much, at least. Like, yeah. He's been replaced by Chris Drieger, who had never played an NHL game before this season, if I'm remembering correctly. Or, like, he's never been a starter. He's 26. I know they've had a carousel this year, so I haven't paid enough attention to know who was going to start or not. So good to know. Chris, Chris Drieger. A lot of money for a guy who's not going to start for you in the playoffs. Yeah, the Bob contract is terrible. Like, the worst contract in the league. Uh, it might be even worse than the Eric Carlson contract. Because the, the, the most, like, mind-boggling part of that deal is that they drafted Spencer Knight right after doing that. Or they, I think it, it might be reverse order. They had just drafted Spencer Knight and then they signed Bob. But, like, Spencer Knight is a great goalie prospect. And now they basically are going to have to move on from Drieger if they want to play Spencer Knight because otherwise, like they can't they can't put Bobrovsky down, um, I don't think, and they're just stuck with his albatross of a contract on the roster for the foreseeable future. So Spencer Knight, you know, might the best play. part of this is what it's just that they just got out of the Luongo contract. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. They learned nothing. Like, the Panarin signing, if they had managed that, that makes sense. Because he's relatively young. He's a forward. Those tend to age better. Um, And then also, he was a dude coming off of arguably the best year of his career um, in Columbus. Not points-wise, but in terms of overall play. So, that would have made sense if they had gone and signed Panarin. But Bob, I was like, he wasn't even that good in Columbus last year. And he's old. And he's a goalie. Like, that's... You, you shouldn't... Like, there, there are very rare exceptions to the you shouldn't pay goalie rule. Uh, or you shouldn't pay a goalie rule. Um, and Bob was not one of them. It's pretty clear. So, I, I think Florida is good. I just don't know, unless they get Herculean performances out of their top guys, I don't know that they end up taking it very deep because they're playing Tampa in the first round. Uh, so, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a favorable matchup for them, especially because Tampa's going to be all juiced up with uh, Kucherov coming back. Yeah, that's that might really suck for Carolina, but I'd like to see Carolina go pretty far, especially because Tampa just won. You know, it needs that again. Come Let's on. see Rod Carolina. the Bod go deep. Oh, wait, uh, maybe not, because that would make a bunch of people very angry. Uh, something, something, Eric Lindros cheating, Rod the Bot Wife. I don't know. 90s rumors. Good time. Let's move on to the West. <laughs> Vegas currently leading the way there. Are we still at 76, or has this... I don't think Vegas played tonight. Uh, uh? Vegas, 76 points. Uh, Colorado, 72. Minnesota, 71. And St. Louis probably has the fourth spot locked up at 56. What a drop-off between Minnesota and St. Louis there. Uh, Again, you want to talk about a a division that's super top-heavy, like Vegas, Colorado, legit, maybe the best teams in the league. And then Minnesota, also very good, uh, playing a great system. They have solid defense there. Um, And then also Kaprizov has been great. But St. Louis is a tire fire, and I think they're just going to get bushwhacked in the first round by whoever they play. They're, they're scraping into the playoffs. They haven't been all that good this year. The underlying numbers reflect that. Um, they they just can't score. That's like the big thing. And their goaltending isn't nearly good enough to compensate for it. Maybe they shouldn't have given uh, Jordan Bennington a six-year, uh, $6 million extension. Maybe that wasn't a good idea when he wasn't even their best goalie. And then let their fantastic 
no doubt about it, number one defenseman signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and then replace him with Tory Krug, who's like a pretty good second pair guy. That that seemed really smart. I was so because I, for people who like follow me at all or listen to me, uh, I hate the Blues more than any team in the league besides maybe Pittsburgh and Chicago because <laughs> their fans are insufferable. So this has been a season of pleasure for me because, ah, uh, God, the Blues are just terrible this year, and it makes me so happy. Um. And then obviously Arizona on the outside looking in. I don't think they end up making the playoffs. They've been really cold lately. But again, it's another one of those years where you look at the job that Rick Tockett has done with what he has and go, damn, dude, that guy is a good coach. Um, Jacob Chikrin, uh, noted friend of uh, Steph's, is uh, having a great career year. He looks like a number one defenseman on a cheap contract. Um, maybe the Flyers should go get him. Uh, I don't, I don't see that happening, but that'd be cool. And uh, Vegas, Vegas and Colorado are ridiculous. Um, Colorado had that stretch where they, they were just crushing every single team that they played, and I think they got a little banged up again. But their big question is goaltending. I don't know why they didn't address it at the deadline. It seemed really foolish to me. That's the only real flaw in this team, but. I mean, they, they could have gone and gotten a couple of guys, and it just it blew me away that they didn't. And it's a it's a really solid team otherwise. I mean, McKinnon is unbelievable, just one of the best players in the NHL, and McCarr has been just fantastic for them on defense. Yeah, their defense, their blue line might be the best in the league. Um, it's up there at the bare minimum. Devon Taves, uh, another guy that Lou Lamarillo walked, uh, let walk for basically nothing because he screwed Thank up the God contract situation. I'm very grateful for that one getting screwed up. Yeah. Uh, this is why you don't extend a bunch of bottom six guys for big money. Uh, Cause you lose actual good players in the process. <laughs> Vancouver. So <laughs> I, I mean, Colorado is stacked. I just have concerns about their ability to win a series in seven games when goaltending is so volatile for them. Um, especially because they're probably playing Minnesota and Minnesota is a good team that can take advantage of those weaknesses um, and then potentially shut down their offense because they just have such a rock solid team. Uh, and then Vegas, I mean, they're, they're the same thing as they have been. The surprising thing this year has been Marc-Andre Fleury just kind of figuring things out again and becoming a top five goalie out of nowhere, uh, which pisses me off so much because I, I mean, I like Marc-Andre Fleury as a person, but career-wise, he just continues to be a thorn in my side um, and annoy <laughs> me. And I I don't know, man. It's the just... guy's had a baffling career. I don't understand how. And it's like every couple of years he does this, right? We think he's cooked. We think he is done. He's going to retire, and he has an all-star year. Yeah, like he, he was awful last year. He was the reason that Gerard Gallant got fired. And then he just randomly pops up and has a top-tier season again. Like, it's nothing. Uh, so that, I mean, Vegas is the total package. Uh, it's tough to see them losing in the first round to St. Louis in any fashion, barring a crazy upset. Um, and then I think if Colorado comes out of the first round, I could see either of Colorado or Minnesota taking that series because I just think uh, Minnesota is maybe – they're they're a less 
uh, up and down team in terms of what they're going to get from their goalies. So they might be a little bit more even keeled and that's a good thing to have in the postseason. But uh, I don't know. I don't see anybody in this division really clobbering Vegas in the series. I think anything is going to be close or Vegas dominating. So they're my pick to come out of that division. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking Colorado, but we'll see. It's really tight. I didn't realize that Minnesota was right up there with everybody like they were. I, did, I actually had no, I, I was really sleeping on Minnesota. I didn't realize they were having such a good year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a good old Preds boy, uh, an XGM whose name I cannot remember for the life of me right now, but dude who basically called Matt Zuccarello a lizard. Uh, maybe he wasn't, <laughs> maybe he wasn't such a bad GM because it seems like he's made some good draft picks and uh, made some good trades for them. Maybe they were too hard. Greg on and I, Craig and I really made a lot of content off of that lizard comment. Too. It's so funny. It's so good. Like lizard. Yeah, he's like a lizard with the way he uses his stick. That makes no sense, dude. None. Absolutely none. <laughs> All right, Many let's move on here. Like <laughs> Finally, everybody's favorite division. Everybody loves the North. What a just... The worst division in hockey. Division exist? The worst division. this division so much. I'm watching... A North game right now as we do this, this uh, Edmonton-Vancouver game. And Edmonton just completely shit the bed for this one. Shit the beach big time for this. Do they have beaches in Canada? I don't know. Toronto leading the way right now with, it's actually 74 points. Edmonton 66, Winnipeg 59, and Montreal 57. I don't know why Montreal isn't clinched because Calgary's 10 points behind them. But I guess they have two games less played, but I don't know. It's probably going to be that top four there for the playoffs. Yeah, if Montreal finds a way to fall out of the postseason, that would be hysterical because they're not that good of a team. After that really hot start, um, their biggest problems have been their defense is just a bunch of big, slow dudes. Uh, Does that sound familiar? And (laughs) Shea Weber's been hurt like the whole year and terrible. Um, And then he... As any Predators fan would know, if he's on the power play, the entire power play feeds through his slap shot. Um, and if he's not clicking, then you're basically impotent. Um, and that's what's <laughs> happened to them. I know Scott Matlow over at Eyes on the Prize Habs uh, complains a lot about that. And he's like, please take Shea Weber back from us because he is broken. But yeah, they're not, they're not that good. They've gotten smacked around by the Leafs the entire season. Um, but yeah, we might get Canadiens uh, Leafs for the first time in forever, which that's a historically pretty great rivalry. So I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah. And I think Carey Price should be back by that point. He's been, I think he's had a concussion that he's been dealing with. For the yeah. And he's too. been bad when he's been healthy. That contract looks really rough. Oh, that contract's rough. But was, I don't know. Yeah. He was, he was pretty bad last year and then was bonkers in that playoff series with the Flyers and was really good against the Penguins. So. Who knows? Maybe they upset Toronto in the first round for the memes. Uh, that would be pretty funny. Well, they lost to Toronto tonight, and they lost to Ottawa last night, so not having a great week so far. No. I have a buddy who's a Leafs fan, so I would just make fun of him relentlessly if that happened, much like uh, Pittsburgh Steve does to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was having some fun with Jeff Carter tonight. He he, he sent me a bandwagon thing, and I, I was just – I told him I'd sooner die. Oh, God. Uh Edmonton, super top heavy, um, as always. They have a little bit more depth this year, I guess, but they're it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, 
kind of Nugent Hopkins. Um, they have some fun players elsewhere, like Yamamoto is fun. But their their biggest thing is that they just still don't really have anybody on defense. Like Ethan Bear is cool. Um, Clef Blum is cool. It's all Darnell Nurse uh, body slam a dude tonight. I, I shouldn't say that they don't have anybody on defense because Darnell Nurse has had a crazy good season. Um, and that's like the dude who stepped up for them. Um, and then also Tyson Berry isn't any good um, defensively, but he just scores a billion points on the power play. He's basically what he was in Toronto. He's just point scoring. And sometimes that's nice to have. That's sometimes not a bad nice thing. To, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm very happy for Darnell Nurse that he no longer has to be called Donovan McNabb's nephew, Darnell Nurse. He could just be Darnell Nurse now. <laughs> that's pretty, That that's a rough title to have. <laughs> for a while, that was his title. It was Donovan McNabb's nephew, comma, Darnell Nurse. Jeez, man. I think Edmonton's pretty good. I just have a couple concerns about how deep can they go in the playoffs because I don't know that they're a team really built for that. They're a team that's got two stars, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, they got their asses beat by the Blackhawks last year, who were like a bad team. So uh, forgive mm-hmm. me if I don't have a ton of faith in them. Uh, Winnipeg, again, messy. They've been really bad recently. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been like fine for them. Their their defense has improved, it seems like. It's not drastically, but like Neil Pionk has been good this year, uh, which, again, eat shit, Rangers. <laughs> Connor Hellebuck's been great. He, he should be in the Vezina conversation, although I don't think he should be like a, a top-two guy. Um, and then all the usual suspects, Shifley, Kyle Connor. Blake Wheeler's had a rough season, but he's still fine. Uh, and then Nick Ehlers has had his big year finally where he's the guy he's the dude who's really leading the team the best player on the team um everybody kind of knew that they was coming losing him for a few games has really hurt them yeah he it's it's his absence has been felt um he's the best player on the team by a significant margin the jets just kind of they they look a lot like uh i guess bizarro version of the predators to me where they have great goaltending. They have like one dude who's a difference maker on defense. And then they they have like, rather than it being about, oh, they have like three decently solid lines that can like break even at least. And then maybe occasionally make some stuff happen. It's like they don't play any defense at all, but they can score. So their games are always just a complete mess. Um in this division, though, the clear top team is Toronto. Um, as much as it pains me to say that, because I, I lose <laughs> the Maple Leafs because their fans are uh, just the worst. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're just so much better than everybody else. Um, the only big question is in goal, and now they have a tandem of David Riddick and uh, Jack Campbell going there, so they don't have to rely on uh, broken-down Freddie Anderson, who they just kind of rode until he died pretty much um poor dude and then <laughs> now guy. their defense is actually their defense is half decent um because they got tj brody in the offseason who's been great and uh this guy from the minors who has always been pretty solid for the marlies in uh i think it's justin hole i'm totally blanking on the first name his last name is hole but he's been awesome um They've had some good redemption projects. I think Galchenyuk has been like a fine uh, middle to bottom six guy for them. 
And they still have all of those crazy talented dudes. And obviously Matthews is having a bonkers year. So they're, uh, Matthews has been unbelievable this year. They're the team to beat. Um, I don't think anybody in the division stacks up with them. I feel like Toronto wins their first playoff series in a hot minute. Well, they don't have to play Boston. Yeah. They'll, I, I think they come out of the North and then they'll bump up against like the next good team and lose. Oh, yeah. That's 100% my prediction. It's, you know, that's a shame. I don't really care. <laughs> that division sucks. It's just I, I, some of the imbalances you've seen in these divisions are, are pretty crazy. I'm excited to go back to normal hockey next year. Yeah, rather than uh, the North, which is pretty much just a flaming bag of dog poop. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And Justin Hall was correct, by the way. See, I'm a genius and I'm never wrong. You've never been dunked on. You've never been wrong. I've never been owned ever in my life. Never been owned. You certainly weren't owned earlier today by Charlie or anything like that. <laughs> I, I think it was, I was making fun of John. Like I had a buddy who's an Orioles fan. And I, he was like, John means is going to win the Cy Young. Um, and then he got lit up by the Mariners like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, just giving him a hard time about that. And then John means throws the no hitter against them. And Chuck immediately comes in the Slack chat and is like, so, Eamon, <laughs> maybe don't make fun of John Means. And I'm like, damn, dude, I thought you had forgotten about that. I was hoping you had forgotten about that. It was a pretty savage Chuck dunk. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. Chuck brings the heat, though. He brings the heat. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, playoffs coming up soon and flyer season merciful- mercifully will be at an end soon. Not soon enough. Three more games. Oh, boy. But we'll see what happens in those hopefully cam york at least looks good that's all we got for you and it was plenty if you have any feedback the best place is on twitter amen where can people reach you on twitter uh that would be at gin and uc spelled like uc saros um and spelled all the way out like the snoop dogg album excellent and hopefully uc saros a goaltender that will actually be playing in the playoffs unlike anybody on the flyers roster he should be a vezina finalist people oh wow you can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum if it's for hockey, though. Make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, and be sure to check out all of our wonderful podcast offerings on Broad Street Hockey. There are so many, and they are oh so good. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow.